right. Uh, hello, everybody. This is episode three of Cage Talk with your host, Ben Bartels. I know at the end of episode two, after I got done reviewing what was revealed for UFC 298, I said I would get to 299, which is true. I will get to 299. But since then, a lot of stuff has happened in the MMA world. Most importantly, UFC 297 has come and went. We have a new middleweight champ and a new women's bantamweight champ. And before I do anything, I want to go over that card and uh, express my thoughts and opinions. So uh, let's start with the main event. Most importantly about this fight is that at when the decision was read, a lot of people thought that Sean Strickland would have won the fight. And initially, I thought that too. But when I rewatched the fight and really looked at every strike and uh, measured how damaging each shot would be, I have concluded, and this is what I honestly think, this fight was not a robbery. Even though I think it was 60% of the internet thought Sean Strickland won, I do think Duplessis won this fight. I think he won it primarily off damage over volume. I think Duplessis got outstruck every single round except for round four. But the damage in shots was most definitely on Duplessis' side. Sean Strickland was jabbing a lot to the point where Duplessis' face swelled up like he got stung with a herd of bees. I don't think that's what it's called, but a herd of bees. He looked bad after this fight. But you should have seen Sean Strickland, too. He didn't look too hot either. So I think Duplessis won this fight primarily off of damage over volume, even though at the time it did feel a little bit wrong to see the belt get wrapped around Duplessis' waist. I mean, all you had to see was Dana White's face. He looked, he did not look happy at the decision being read for Duplessis. Now, I do want to get this off my chest. I do think Duplessis and Sean Strickland both looked better in their last fight. I think Duplessis technique-wise and speed-wise and defensively too, I think overall he looked a lot better in his last fight against Robert Whitaker, might be due to the opponent or some other factors going into the fight. Maybe he had an injury or something. Usually fighters do have an injury going into a fight. Regardless, um, I think his cardio looked great. Looked great. He showed five-round cardio. Maybe not the fifth round. He kind of gassed a little bit, but he definitely showed championship round cardio, and he showed he could definitely hang with the best at a uh, high-paced fight like uh the one we had in the main event at 297. Maybe it was the matchup, but I do think Sean looked eons better in his last fight against Adesanya than he did tonight. Just couldn't let go of that right hand sometimes, I feel. Sean Strickland would jab and Strick and uh, Duplessis sorry, would, uh, would shell up with that high, tight guard so nothing could get it through. Sean Strickland could have swung a right or left hook around the guard pretty easily, or what I think should have happened, Sean should have invested in the body more against a... Strict against a Duplessis whose cardio is probably his biggest disadvantage when it comes into fights. At least that's what we thought before this fight. You can't judge a fight completely based off how fighters look too. I saw a lot of people say that all you had to all you had to do was look at Duplessis' face compared to Sean. Duplessis looked terrible. Every part of his face was swollen up. He looked awful. You can't judge a fight based off how fighters look at the end of the fight. If that was true, Nate Diaz would lose every single fight he had. Some fighters just naturally get cut. Some fighters bruise a little bit easier. Some fighters just visibly don't look good to strikes, but they can absorb them pretty well. Sean Strickland, I think, going over the fight, I think Sean Strickland could have easily won if he was more aggressive like he was in round five for all the rounds, which I know he can because Sean Strickland's cardio is... Next level, insane. 
Um, I think Duplessis won primarily in the body kicks in rounds two, three, and four. I think round four and two are pretty easily, pretty easily Duplessis. It was close, but I think those rounds go to Duplessis. And I think one and five are pretty clearly Sean Strickland. So I think all the all the fight comes down to is round three and who performed better in that round. And I gave it to Duplessis off of damage. Duplessis also, I do want to mention this, he also did adjust well to Sean's weird defense. Uh, Sean primarily has that kind of Philly shell defense, which is pretty unknown for the MMA sphere, but Duplessis did well in uh, adjusting to that and fainting and mixing in the takedowns and changing up the dynamic of that fight so Sean Strickland wouldn't know what was coming at him. He also adjusted, I noticed, in the fourth round specifically, sorry, he started throwing more straight down the pipe punches that were oftentimes connecting clean. Very impressive. That might have... Uh, I do want to mention this too. That might have been the closest title fight in recent history. I know the numbers don't necessarily say it, but one and five were pretty clearly Sean Strickland. Two and four were pretty clearly Duplessis. Round three was incredibly close. It it could have gone to either person, and you would have a valid argument either way. That might have been the closest title fight in recent history. I'm probably forgetting a few fights, but... At least championship-wise, I haven't remembered a fight that close in a long time. Now, I've been saying Duplessis has won this fight, and I say that primarily because the scoring criteria for the UFC values damage more greatly over volume, and I think that's why Sean Strickland was robbed. Also, Strickland's excuses after the fight, like a day after on, uh, I think it was Instagram, talking about some headbutt causing a big cut over his eye. By the way, there's a clip of this headbutt and not only was it an accident because Duplessis' head was rising from Sean's legs after he failed a takedown, and it the uh, headbutt didn't even cause the cut. It was an overhand right that landed right before this takedown, a real legal shot that cut Sean Strickland, that hurt his eye. So I don't know where Sean Strickland is coming from this. It's a pretty embarrassing excuse, in my opinion. You can't be doing excuses like that and not have proper evidence to back it up. I do think... Um, Duplessis proved a lot of doubters wrong that his weird style can work against a kind of textbook boxing style against Strickland. Even if textbooks have been of an overstatement, Strickland does have a tendency to like remove his hands from his face and like defend punches in weird ways. But overall, it's kind of textbook with his jab, his straight, his body kicks, and his uh, Philly shell defense that you'll commonly see in that you'll commonly see in boxing with fighters like Floyd Mayweather. Um, I think it's really impressive how Duplessis showed five-round cardio because I know that was a word for some people, including me. So overall, a lot of questions were answered in this fight. I think some valid questions being taken up are, what is next for Strickland and Duplessis? I vote rematch, but Adesanya, the former champ, is always there for Duplessis, even though he's coming off that loss to Sean Strickland. Dana White said they won't run it back, which makes me think they're going to capitalize off this beef of Duplessis and Adesanya, but I think a rematch is more than warranted. In a rematch, I honestly have Strickland winning still. Um, I think he makes the adjustments. I think he should stop respecting the power so much. Duplessis is powerful, but Strickland has a very good chin, despite what Pereira did to him, and was able to withstand a lot of shots that Duplessis was throwing, definitely after rounds two. But I think Sean Strickland needs to be a little bit more aggressive in this fair fight with uh, Duplessis. To be fair, though, Duplessis is absolutely huge for the division. Duplessis could walk around 
uh, could fight at 205 pounds and look just like a normal he- light heavyweight. If Strickland fought in rounds five like he did the entire fight, he I would have I would have scored it winning for him. His cardio is amazing, and he probably would have won this based, just based off the jab and right straight. He just needed to un- unload that right hand a little bit more to hurt Duplessis because damage was very slightly just leaning to Duplessis a little bit. Um, that's pretty much my main thoughts on the main event. I want to talk about the rest of the main card for a little bit. Uh, Myra Branasova disappointed me in a very boring title defense. Pennington won that fight pretty much solely off of toughness and surviving the first and half, uh, the second round. Pennington could have finished that fight at any points and really at any points in fourth and fifth rounds, especially, but just decided to be boring, I guess. I don't know. That's... She's just trying to kill the bantamweight division, I guess. Um, mind you, the champion of the division now is the girl who verbally quit on the stools against Amanda Nunes in between rounds. Not a great look. It's uh, Regardless, though, it's pretty cool to see old head vet, vets win the uh, belt, which is always nice to see. Uh, I do think, though, I know this is a little bit harsh, I do think they should cut the division because Amanda Nunes, you can never get rid of that shadow that goat shadow that she just looms over. Mike Mallett in the featured fight disappointed me too. TKO lost to Magni in the last, what, 15 seconds of the last round? <sighs> How do you get TKO'd by Neil Magny? He hasn't TKO'd anyone since 2018 against Craig White. I don't even know who Craig White is. You don't get... How do you get TKO'd by Neil Magny in your home state? Mag- Mallett looked good until Magny... Ma- and he looked good, and Magny looked like he hasn't trained for a fight ever until Mallet gassed out, and then Magny just destroyed a gassed Ma- Mallet. Oh my God, I just, I'm so, and Mallet's like, what, 33? He's not going to get to the title like I, I, I didn't think he was going to get to the title, but I was hoping with, you know, some good fights against maybe a Jack Della Maddalena or something like that. I don't know. Uh, even the ref was like, man, you sure you want to stop this in your hometown? Because... He was late to the stoppage. <laughs> Magni was wailing on him for a, a good bit amount of time. Oh, my God. That's another hyped prospect down the drain. And now we got to deal with Magni fighting more contenders until he eventually strings more than a loss in a, more than a loss together in a row. I mean, Magni's been going win-loss, win-loss for I don't even know how long. It feels like ages, though. I feel like Magni is a great guy, you know? I love Neil Magni as a person. Ian Gary did him dirty with those accusations. If you don't know, look it up. Uh, I think it was the... I don't know what number it was, but it was at the uh, press conference for Sean O'Malley versus Algernon Sterling. He did him wrong with those a- allegations, but man, that doesn't change that he is pro- most definitely a boring fighter. And man, when I picked uh, Mallet to win this fight before it happened, there was a little voice going in the back of my head. I know, I know, I seems like I'm coping right now, and I am, but uh, there was a little voice in the back of my head, like Magnet, he's going win loss, win loss. If he lost his last fight before this. He's bound to win this fight, right? And I just didn't believe it. I guess, you know, bank, bank on Magni to lose his next fight. I think Magni should fight Michael Morales, another contender. I mean, I would give Magni an upper-ranked fighter, but he's proven that he can't go to that level. And he has, like, the most fights in the welterweight division. You know, his time is bound to be up. Just give him Michael Morales, and another. hopefully he'll lose to that prospect so the division can move on. Malik will fight another unranked fighter, too. He's, what, 33, and he ain't young, you know? And at fight years, he ain't young. you got, you got to find out. He's got to find out his stamina real quick to stay active 
if he uh, ever has a chance of getting back up there. I mean, who who did he beat before this? You know, because this was a big jump in competition. He beat Adam Fugit, Fugit, Mickey Gall, and someone else. I don't even know the other guy. Oh my god. Oh, um, I almost forgot. Chris Curtis versus uh Mark Andre Burial. Uh, here's my thoughts on that fight. Okay, anyway, uh, I'm glad Curtis won and his lead uppercut looked very strong. Curtis should fight Paul Craig. That's a fun fight, and I don't care who Marc-Andre Burial uh, beats. Ar- Arnold Allen got robbed in the uh, second best fight on the card. He received his second ever loss in the UFC to Mozart Evloev. My, le- my very, very legal streaming platform won't let me rewind the fight, but as I remember, Arnold Allen was winning rounds two and three pretty handedly. Can't wait for the decision merchant Evloev to fight Yair Rodriguez or something. Either lose by like a head kick KO or by grinding out to a decision. I mean, I'm giving Evloev a lot of slack, but Evloev is a very good fighter. To be fair, his wrestling is elite. Every time I watch this guy fight, I just, wow, this guy's wrestling is very good. And and it showed in this fight. Wrestling Arnold Allen like that, it's pretty impressive. He slammed him at one point. I'm just giving him a hard time because he beat Allen. And, I mean, Evloev is undefeated at all. After all, I mean... Uh, anyway, I think Allen should fight Edson Barboza. Fun fight. C- continue the downfall of Arnold Allen. He's on a two-fight losing streak right now. Or stop the momentum of Barboza. I don't know how Barboza still has momentum. He's coming off that uh, comeback win over Yusuf. That was pretty impressive, too. I thought Yusuf would win that. This has just been a year of the underdogs, in my opinion. 2023 and beginning of 2024. <sighs> Overall, pretty mid-card. Uh, a lot of disappointing and weird performances. Prelims were a lot better. I suggest checking out a few of them. Not saying that the card was bad because my picks... And I'm, I'm not just saying that because my picks were bad for this card. I got pretty much all of them wrong for the main event. I'm definitely more objective on my analysis. God, I lost so much fake money on this fight. How crazy is it, though, that in a card in Canada, all Canadian fighters went 0-7. 0-7! What a disgrace to one of the greats, George St. Pierre's home country. George St. Pierre is a Canadian, and I swear I have not seen a like really good Canadian fighter since. Mac Mallet got exposed. Uh, Brad Katona looked good until he got exposed too. I just Charles Dordain lost pretty close uh, decision. What a disgrace to George St. Pierre! I, I, you got to feel for the Canadian crowd, man. Like you can tell they came to see some fights. Just look at the pre-fight press conference. All right, uh, I think it's time I talk about because that's pretty much all the fights I want to talk about uh, for. UFC 297, if I didn't mention you, uh, beat some better fighters, I guess. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think it's time we talk about 298. So I know I talked about 298 last time, but some fights have gotten announced since. Uh, let's check it out. We got Ian Gary versus Jeff Neal. Hmm. Okay, uh, initial thoughts. I think Ian Gary's going to be able to kind of dance and prance around Jeff Neal's boxing to win a pretty close, a pretty decisive 29-28 decision. Or if that didn't make sense, then I think Ian Gary wins two rounds to one. But let's not forget, Jeff Neal has some uh, has a lot of power, and Ian Gary's been dropped before. Don't get it mistaken, you know. Ian Gary doesn't necessarily have, like, the best chin, so he can be dropped by Jeff Neal. If Jeff Neal, if Jeff Neal can touch Gary's chin, this fight could end real quick. Regardless, though, and sadly, since I'm a Tier 1 Ian Gary hater, and I do really like uh, Neil Ma- uh not Neil Magny, uh, 
Jeff Neal, sorry. <laughs> I think the odds of, of jabbing Ian Gary, who stays in the outside with leg kicks, uh, should be able to get to the short stocky Neal. Overreaching and whiffing shots, I think if Neal overreaches, Gary could crack him with that beautiful pullback right-hand counter shot he has and drop him and finish him, at, or at the very, very least, Jeff Neal... Uh, Jeff Neal could pull up a, put up a good performance and maybe crack him enough in a round to uh, win a round and put up a good performance, I guess. Jeff Neal, though, is top tier, so don't... That said, saying something about Gary, despite Gary's very weird and, you know, public uh, s- personal life. You know, you got to respect the skill in the cage. Another fight that got announced for this card, Robert Whitaker versus Paulo Costa. You got another Aussie on this card with Volkanovski. Um... You know, I think I think Paulo Costa is one of the most underrated and overhated fighters. Yeah, he's incredibly inactive, and he hasn't beaten anyone currently in the UFC, which is a crazy stat, but everyone he's beaten has retired or gotten cut. He got dominated in a TKO loss to Adesanya 2, which still looms large. He's lost to Vittori, which isn't a great loss to have. But, I mean, he to be fair, he does have some really good kicks. That head kick he landed on Marvin Vittori a couple times was really good. He's very tough. I mean, there's just the Luke Rockhold fight showed that he's got some great toughness and heart. And uh, two and Whitaker's coming off a loss to someone new, not named Adesanya for the first time in what eight years. Let's not forget Whitaker's usually usual style of blitzing kind of got exposed by Drakus Duplessis. I guess you could say Plessy intercepted him with a hard right jab, and Paulo uh, punches relatively hard. That that being said. I got Whitaker by dominant decision. I mean, Whitaker's just too fast. It's that simple. Yes, he sometimes doesn't really have a good chin. That can be shown. And uh, has a habit of sticking it out sometimes when he shouldn't be. But Whitaker's got some great kicks of his own. Is very quick when entering range and leaving. Not to mention his setups for other strikes are beautiful. Like his iconic jab right, uh, jab straight high kick combo. I mean, people know that combo sometimes. Some people know that combo just because of Robert Whitaker. He caught Brunson with that. I think, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did finish Brunson with that. He caught Cannoneer with it really badly. That stumbled Cannoneer, brought him to the cage. He didn't finish him in that fight, but he got pretty close. And he didn't even wobble Gastelum, but Gastelum's got an iron brick for a head. So, I mean, you know, I just, I would like to see Paulo Costa win, though. He is very funny, but I think... Whitaker's faint game is going to be too much for Costa. I think he's going to scare Costa, so to speak, into not throwing because he won't know when or where shots are coming from because Whitaker's got his hands usually really low in that karate kind of stance he's got going on, which can be a curse against fast, powerful, and like weird strikers like Duplessis because that's like Duplessis all does. I mean, he can't take a fight down, but you know what I mean. But against like slow, powerful, with okay stamina and very tough fighters, it's a blessing to say the least. I think Whitaker's just going to kind of wail on Paulo Costa for the better part of 15 minutes. Um, Paulo's got a tendency of pulling out of fights, though, so they need to find some someone uh, in case he pulls out again because he, he, uh, he hasn't really fought in a while, which is why a lot of people are saying Paulo Costa might lose it just because of inactivity. Uh, another fight I want to talk about on this card, uh, Tatiana Suarez, who was originally going to fight uh, Amanda Lemos and maybe get a title shot after that. She's out. I don't know why, but Mackenzie Dern, of all people, has stepped in against Amanda Lemos. You know, I like Dern. I really do, but she's got to figure out a way to get a fight to the ground because her striking is not going to cut it against these elite strikers like 
uh, Andraj or Wei Li or um, sorry, someone uh, was looking at me through the window. Uh, it's just not going to cut it against elite strikers like Andraj and Wei Li and especially Lamos, I think. Lamos might be the hardest hitter in the entire division, and I think, and I feel like this is going to be a lot like the Andrade fight, except for a TKO, it's just going to be a full-on concussive knockout. Can't blame Dern for taking the fight, though. If she didn't, she'd be fighting down the rankings in her next fight, and you never know how that would go. And uh, win over Lamos, who just lost to the champ, albeit in dominant decision, but she did just lose to the champ. So a win over her could shoot her up, and maybe one more fight after that, she'll be getting a title shot, so... Can't blame Mackenzie Dern for taking this fight on short notice. Uh, what do I got to say? Even though Lamos got dominated, and when I say dominated, I mean it. She got outstruck, like, what, 250 to 50 or something? It's absolutely insane like that in her last fight against Zhang Wei Li. I think Dern, uh, I think if Dern can't get the fight down, which I don't think she will, because she can't wrestle like the elite, she's going to get knocked out. Uh, another fight I got to talk about. Justin Taffa versus Marcos Rogeria de Lima. You know, it's really nice to just see some fights that are scheduled that, one, makes sense uh, rankings-wise, and two, are guaranteed bangers. Just good old slobber knockers, I guess you could say. <laughs> Neither Tafa or De Lima are known for their technique, but, man, they can punch hard. I got Tafa in a fight of little technique shared, but just because with a fight like this with little technique shared, I think Tafa is going to stand out with... Uh, his better defense, I think, and his uh, better just technique, and he throws a lot better straight punches, and he's more proven, in my opinion. Especially, I say this especially after De Lima's most recent KO loss to Derek Lewis. I don't know. This should be fun, though. Definitely a fun fight. If you're more a casual fighting viewer, you will definitely enjoy this one. All right. Um... Yeah, I got time. Okay, uh, UFC 299, O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. Uh, I'm going to talk about this one relatively quick. All right, um, Sean Strickland, uh, not sorry, <laughs> Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. Uh, Marlon Vera did beat him in the first fight, I think, pretty decisively. Uh, Sean O'Malley injured Marlon Vera's foot. Uh, Sean O'Malley injured his foot because of a check. Uh, I don't think it was a check, but because of something Marlon Vera did, and then Marlon Vera proceeded to uh, knock out a hurt Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley since then has gotten the title, and Mon Marlon Vera is really only getting this fight because he beat Sean O'Malley. I mean, he just lost to Sandhagen two fights ago, so he really shouldn't be getting this. Regardless, I think Sean O'Malley is going to win a pretty boring decision. I mean, Sean O'Malley's a fun guy, but Marlon Vera's got a chin made of steel. Yeah, I just think Sean O'Malley's just going to kind of dance around him for the better part of 25 minutes. All right, I think that's going to be it for today. Um, I'm going to talk about the rest of 290 in the next episode, so stay tuned for that. Uh, this has been Cage Talk Episode 3, signing out. Have a great day, ladies and gentlemen.